behalf of Natalie, the elders, the leaders of the church, just to say how proud of you uh, we are. Last, last week, we celebrated what we call Prepare Him Room. And once a year, we take one or two weeks, what we call Prepare Him Room. And what, the whole idea is that Chris, the Christmas seasons tend to be, uh, kind of get crowded with a bunch of stuff, a bunch of good stuff, family time and presents and white elephant gifts and all this, all this stuff, and can crowd out the real meaning for Christmas and crowd out Jesus and kingdom values in Christmas. So like the old song says, let every heart prepare him room because we don't act naturally make room for Jesus uh, too often. And so uh, last week, what we, the way we did that, we told you about an opportunity in the Philippines, uh, Digo's Hope Center that we are partnering with, that we look at them as a sister church in the Philippines, an opportunity to legitimately change someone's life. And when we first talked to our friends at One Child, they said that statistically a church of the size of Voice Church would sponsor about eight kids. And I said, well, wh what if we did about 20? And, and the problem is once you say you're going to sponsor a certain number of kids, if those kids don't get sponsored, then they're essentially they, they're like the last kids picked for kickball, right? And all their friends get to meet their sponsor, their sponsored uh, parents in a sense, and then they're left without any sponsors, which makes it really kind of a disheartening situation. So he's like, well, he goes, he goes it's better if you only – have the number that you know you can hit. And I go, I really think we can hit 20. He goes, talking. that's more than double what is typical. I was like, yeah, but I think we can do it. How about 25? And so we said we want to we go for 25. And so I just wanted to let you know that I actually haven't checked this morning, maybe more. Uh, we didn't sponsor 20, you didn't sponsor 25, but as of last night, you sponsored 28 kids. And so that is way above the average. So kudos to you guys. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Uh, Thank you, because there's a bunch of kids now on the other side of the planet uh, that are going to have a really good Christmas. And so thank you for that. And just like I speak for, you know, every, every parent in the room, I know you understand when someone takes care and blesses your kids, that blesses you as a parent. And so I know there's a lot of happy parents on the other side of the, uh, the planet as well because uh, of you guys. So well done. Uh, a couple of questions I just want to ask you guys because we're going to talk about planning here in a bit. I need to know who the planners are in the room or put, type in the chat if you're watching online. Who's done with Christmas shopping? Who's, who's, who was, who's been done for a while? Anybody? Because I know there's some of you. Yeah, I know Melinda. Yeah, Ariel, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, some of you guys, you started shopping for Christmas this year on like December 26th last year because that's when everything's on sale or like this, the July 4th weekend or Black Friday and Black Friday's kind of pushing it for you because that's getting pretty close to Christmas. But how many of you guys haven't started Christmas shopping yet? Anybody? Yeah, is that Venus back there? Yeah, okay, media intern, yeah. So uh, yeah, some of you guys are going, well, I'm just gonna get everyone Amazon gift cards anyway so I can get that delivered in 10 minutes. So what's the big deal, right? So uh, today's going to be pretty simple. Like I said, it's going to be one big thought, one simple thought. And for those of you guys that are planners, hopefully today will be especially challenging for you. Um, what happens many times is we have our plans set. We want to go a certain way. We have it all. We, we're, we have the, the punch list ready to be checked off. And then, and then things shift. You ever seen those, those old, old cartoons where they're on like the railroad and they're, they're going and all of a sudden, you know, like Wile E. Coyote or whatever, flips the train tracks and you, it changes directions? For those of us that are planners, I'm a planner. For those of you guys that are planners, you know how hard that is, right? You know how challenging that is. Uh, you, you go on vacation if you're a planner and you can't just relax. You need an itinerary, right? I mean, this is, this is me. 
the, the, my wife was like, just relax. I was like, I can't relax. We have 22 minutes till we have to be at dinner, not because we have reservation, because we, that's when I have scheduled that we're supposed to go to dinner at the place. Or you can't just go to a theme park. Y- you need like a, um, a strategy. You know what I mean? Especially if you're paying for like a one-day pass at Disney. You're not going to get to the park two hours late. No, you're going to get there with enough time to go from the Toy Story lot in there at opening time. Then you have like, okay, wife, kids, you guys are heading over to this. I'm going to go get, well, there was a fast pass, this rest in peace. But we get a fast pass of this. And then you have have, have a a strategy and approach like it's D-Day, right? And people around you, and just speaking on behalf of us planners, people around you are frustrated. I understand that. But what they don't understand many times is they reap the fruits of your labor. So while they're like, we had such a fun day at Disney, we got to ride all the rides. Well, of course you did. How did you think that happened? Right? We went on vacation. The shuttle just picked us up from the airport. Of course it did. Well, how did you think that happened? Because we were on the schedule. But we can kind of be a killjoy too. But a lot of us, whether you're planners or not, you're facing circumstances right now that you hadn't planned for. They hadn't anticipated. What's wild is, as we're, we had a meeting with the worship productions team right before service, and we told them kind of a, a snapshot of what we're talking about this morning. And it's wild how many people are in the place that we're talking about today, where you have a plan, and then there's a shift of plans that, were, that has nothing to do with you. Outside circumstances, other people's decisions shifted your plan, and now you're ended up in circumstances that you never anticipated, you never had planned for. And you're going, what in the world is going on? Even in this last few days, even this morning, I'm getting text messages of people that are connected to the church, friends of ours, that are going, man, it hit the fan this week. I got an email last night late. We got home at like, I don't know, 11 o'clock or something like that, and got an email from a couple that uh, we were doing some mentoring with, plantering, uh, plantering, uh, planting a church down in Florida in the Tampa area. Amazing family, inner city church. They, lo- they started their church two years ago. And she emails and says, Talk, I just want to let you know, um, Patrick uh, was with the, with the four, they have like six or seven kids. He was, uh, he, Patrick was with four uh, of our kids at the grocery store. They were buying a bunch of groceries to give away uh, this weekend. And he goes, he had a tear in his aorta. And he just collapsed. Later at the hospital, they had some surgery, but they couldn't repair, and he passed away. This is, so I got this email last night. Yesterday was the funeral. So their family is upside down. Um, that is one of three situations in the past 24 hours of friends of ours that are going through circumstances they had never anticipated. There was a shift of plans. Some of you guys are job hunting, and you never thought you'd be job hunting right now. Some of you guys, there's a loss of relationship, whether it be a marital challenge or a marital separation or uh, some sickness in the family, or there's people that are no longer with us that used to be, and there's an empty chair at Christmas dinner. Didn't anticipate it didn't plan it. This is not what you had wanted. Sometimes there's a shift. Sometimes shifts of plans uh, can shake your faith, right? So in the Christmas story, there's 
in Luke chapter 2 and then Matthew chapter 1, there's kind of a, a meta-narrative, a flyover of the beginning stages, kind of the, the Joseph and Mary stage of Jesus' story. And I want to dive in a little bit on those and talk about what it was actually like to be Mary and Joseph. Because a lot of times we can talk about the kind of the kiddie version of uh, the Christmas story, but these were real people. Uh, and they went through some hellish situations. So kind of the background is Mary and, and Joseph are engaged to be married. They're, they're making plans. They're doing all the things that you guys have been engaged or, or uh, had a wedding. You guys understand all the planning that had, you had to go through. And that's for like an American-style wedding. For a Jewish wedding, this is a thing. This is less of a wedding event. This is not a 20-minute uh, ceremony and a three-hour reception. This is a event. This is like a festival, right? Multiple uh, days. So they're making plans. And then one day, Mary comes over to Joseph and says, hey, hey, we got to talk. We got to talk. And you know, that's rarely a good thing, right? And you, just, you get the, like the text messages where you're like, hey, are you home? Is it okay if I swing by? I got to tell you something. That's rarely a good thing. Sometimes it is, but if you're anything like me, man, your head is spinning, right? And you're like, oh, no, you can, can you call? Can you hop on the, can you give me a heads up of what this is going to be about? Your head is spinning of like the plans are about to shift, right? If they need to come in person, it's going to be interesting. And so here's what happens in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be uh, married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you have Joseph. Mary's telling him, hey, so uh, I'm pregnant, uh, but I didn't cheat. I mean, if you're Joseph, come on, man. Come on. If your fiance comes up to you, again, take it out of the kitty story. Your, your fiance comes up to you and says, hey, I'm pregnant, but I didn't cheat. God made me pregnant. Come on, man. You're going, really? I don't know why you're telling me this story. I don't know why you can't. Look, we can get through this, but if you can't even own it, God got you pregnant? Okay, yeah. So Joe needs some space. So the next verse, here's what happens. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. He doesn't want to disgrace her publicly so he decides to break the engagement quietly. What does that mean practically? It means that he doesn't believe her. He doesn't believe her. And how could he? How could he? I mean, do you blame him? His entire world just collapsed. His entire world just imploded. I mean, if you're Joseph, what do you tell the wedding venue now? Hey, can I get my deposit back? Right? What do you tell your parents They've been planning and dreaming about this too. This wasn't just Joseph or Mary's plans. The family was all excited about this. The family was already, his parents were already like naming grandkids. You know, they were already thinking about the future. What, what's he going to tell his parents? He sent out another group of invites saying, hey, about that wedding. We're going to nix that right now, right? In the middle of the embarrassment, in the middle of the betrayal, he was still righteous enough, honoring enough, he pulled his emotions together to say, look, even though I'm, I'm betrayed, even though I'm embarrassed, even though I'm ticked off at you right now, and the fact that you're saying you're, you're pregnant and you're going to say God made you pregnant and you're not going to own the fact that you cheated on me, despite all of that, I'm going to do the right thing and I'm not going to dishonor you. I'm not going to make you disgraced publicly. And so he goes, look, let's not make this a big deal. 
Let's not make this a big deal. You messed up. Let's just nix this thing. Let's go our separate ways. And if I'm Joseph, just like if you're in this situation, I think you'd be feeling this too. You'd be going, God, what the heck, man? I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to do the right things. But even in the midst of all this craziness, God, I don't understand. God, this is not what I planned. But I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes. Mary's the very same way. She's young. She's a lot younger than Joseph, most likely. Joseph is supposed to be her protector. Joseph is supposed to be her supporter, her provider. Joseph is supposed to be her strength. Joseph is supposed to be her biggest confidant. And then in, the, in, her, in her most vulnerable moment, the moment she needs someone to support her, protect her, believe her, he abandons her. He severs ties with her. He goes separate ways. Mary's just trying to be faithful to God. Mary's in a tough situation. This wasn't her plan to get pregnant by God, right? That wasn't her plan. So in her most vulnerable moment, she feels abandoned. Her character is questioned. Her, her fiancé thinks that she's a cheat and a liar. So you got this young girl who's pregnant, and she's alone. She's probably praying a lot of the same things as Joseph. God, why? I'm trying my best here. I'm trying to be faithful here. I'm trying to do what you're asking me to do. This is not the way it was supposed to work out. This is not according to plan. What is going on? You ever feel like that? I feel like that often, to be honest. This is not how it was supposed to happen. God, I'm trying my best. God, I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to take the high road. I'm trying to do what you want me to do, but this blindsided me. This is not the way it was supposed to work. God, what are you doing? God, I want to understand, but this is not what I had planned. Some of you guys are there today. I know specifically some of you guys that are watching online are here today. That's where you're at. And if you're not there today, you will be at some point. Maybe you're trying to provide a good Christmas despite some challenges for your family, and then the car breaks down. Some unforeseen financial situation happens. You're going, great, great. I had it all planned. I was starting to punch through the list, and then this happened. Maybe you took a different job. You transferred jobs, and then the company changed directions, and now you're out of job, or you're in a, in a, in a work culture that you had not anticipated. Maybe you promised uh, to be faithful to somebody else and they to you, and they didn't honor that. It's not what you had planned. Maybe you raised kids as best as you could, but they're rebelling. They're not holding your values in ma major ways or subtle ways, and there's a grieving with that, and you're going, God, what is, I'm trying my best to be faithful. What is going on? You didn't ask for health problems. You didn't ask for challenges with mental health battles. You didn't plan on sudden financial loss. You didn't, you didn't plan on getting injured. You didn't plan on getting betrayed. You didn't, get, you didn't plan on getting hurt by people that you put your trust in. You didn't plan on getting let down by people who made promises to you and then didn't follow through on those promises. I can speak for me personally as I was going through this list is trying to get lift off as a new church. And just when we're starting to get lift off, a worldwide pandemic for the last couple of years crashes us back to earth. And moments like that, for all of us, for all of us, God, what are you doing? I'm trying my best here. This is not what I had planned. This is not the way we thought it was going to go. And here's a simple idea. 
Here's a simple idea that I want us to remember. Here's the simple big idea that I want you to take from today, and it's just this. You don't have to understand the plan to trust God has a purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Mary and Joseph's plans are wrecked. They're absolutely wrecked. In this moment, unsalvageable. They're already thinking worst case scenario. They're doing triage of, okay, how do I have this conversation and this conversation and how do I get this money back and, oh gosh, what's this person going to think? It's wrecked. They're frustrated with each other. Joseph is frustrated with Mary. Mary's frustrated with Joseph. They're both frustrated with God. So what does Joseph do? What does Joseph do? The very next verse, verse 20, it says, as he considered this, so Joseph's taking some me time to think about this. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you will name him Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. For he will save the people from their sins. What God was saying to Joseph was, hey, what Mary is saying is true. And this next season, maybe the rest of your life, it's going to get real messy. It's going to get real hard. But, but there's a bigger purpose at play. Your name is Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. Somehow in the middle of all this mess, Sometime, somehow in the middle of all the pain, in the middle of all the confusion, in the middle of all the questions, there was a purpose. There was a purpose to it. And look, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't make sense. It's not what you had planned. But God is saying, my plans are higher than your plans. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Sometimes, sometimes God's greatest invitations feel like our worst interruptions. Sometimes God invites you to a greater purpose, and in the moment, it feels like the worst interruption ever. God often interrupts our plans with his purpose. I know for Nally and I, for our little family, when we first uh, moved to California uh, almost six years ago, we had a different plan. Our intention was never to plant this church. There was no such thing as Voice Church, not even in my heart. I had a plan. There were promises. There were timelines. And it didn't pan out the way it was supposed to pan out in my head. It didn't pan out the way that it was, that people had said it was going to pan out. And there was a lot of pain and confusion. And there's a lot of moments where I can't speak for Natalie, but I know for me where I'm going, what the heck, God? I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to do what you asked me to do. I'm trying to honor you and be faithful to you, but what is going on? This is not what we had agreed upon, but there's a higher purpose. I see that now. And if we didn't go through that beautiful yet extremely painful and confusing season, we never would have known about this area. When we lived in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago, we never heard of Tustin or Irvine or Santa Ana. We, We had no idea, but God led us through this path of pain and confusion of, God, what in the world are you doing in order for us to be here, to fall in love with this area, to fall in love with the people, to feel like we're home, 
this is it, we're home. Like we get this area, we get these people. They're our people. We never would have planted Voice Church if we didn't go through the pain. We never would have met a bunch of you if we didn't go through the pain. And I don't know, but I, I could not imagine my life right now without you guys in it. So many great relations. Some of you guys have met each other here at the church, and you feel the same way. You, you could not imagine life without these people in it. But you had to go through some hellish situations to get here. I know some of your guys' stories, man. There was pain recently, confusion. God, what in the world are you doing? I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be faithful, but it seems like you're not getting the memo and you're really trying to send me on a different path. What is going on? And God is saying, look, you have a plan. You have a plan. I get it. You have a plan. I have a purpose. And it'll make sense one day. I had my plans. I was the kind of guy, I had my day timer when I was in eighth grade. You know, I literally, I had day timer, brand day timer, that was, a, that was a thing, with the pleather little flap that covered over the magnet class. I, I, I was that kid. I was kind of a geeky kid. I came with a VHS tape that shows you how to, like, prioritize, how to do two-by-two two grids to organize priorities. I was doing SWOT assessments. You know, I mean, we were, like, really going through this stuff to have a plan and a strategy. It was kind of a, kind of a, kind of a dork. And then this happened, and I realized... I don't make plans anymore like that. I'll do assessments, but the most I'll do, and Allie knows this, I'll do a year plan. Back in the day, I was so naive. I would do five-year and ten-year plans. You guys remember that? Five, can you imagine, five years ago, how's your five-year plan going? <laughs> All right, how's that going? Through the last couple of years, we realized was maybe do two months. Two months, and then we'll see. We'll see. Who knows, right? So, so Mary and Joseph decided to stick it out and Mary gets to the point where she's about to give birth. And we, this, is, this is the part of the Disney story where you'd say, they'd walk off in the sunset and you'd say, and they lived happily ever after. It's not what happened. It's not what happened. Mary gets to the point of giving birth, so they have to travel from Galilee to Bethlehem. Do you know how far that is? That's only 100 miles. 99.5 miles. Looked it up. Okay, I was going to tell you kilometers, but not helpful for any of us. 99.5 miles on a donkey, nine months pregnant. If any of you guys were nine months pregnant, and I said, hey, will you go on a four-day car ride? You'd be like, no. You'll go on a plane ride. How about ride a donkey for 100 miles? Took four to seven days, depending on how fast you were going. Riding, can you imagine riding a, a horse or donkey for four to seven days, nine months pregnant? This, is, this was not Mary's plan. This is not what she wanted. She didn't give a nice home birth with her doula, right? She was traveling on a donkey. Now I was pregnant. Then they finally get to Bethlehem. They're like, yes, can't wait to check into the hotel. There's no rooms. You know, Joseph's getting the stink eye from Mary because why didn't you reserve something? Right, Nothing. So Joseph's like, I got it, babe. And he's going door to door trying to find a place for them to, he's like, I, I got a place. Kind of all off the beaten path. It's kind of like a cave, kind of like a stable. But you know, it's a place. It's a place. So just every, every woman's dream, right, wasn't Mary's plan. So they end up giving birth, well, Mary mostly, ends up giving birth in this stable, which is probably a cutout of a, like a cave type cutout behind a home off the beaten path. 
uh, it probably smells like a stable, right? We, we picture Jesus in the manger now. It's cute and it's clean. We have the little nativity scene. But can you imagine giving birth and putting your kid in a feeding trough? Not Mary's plan. Not Mary's plan. And then after that, baby Jesus is born and the king wants him dead. So you get news of this, and right after the baby is born, you're going, you guys got to get out of town. So now they're on the run. Mary just had a baby. They have an infant, and now they're on the run because some insecure, narcissistic king is trying to kill your baby. This isn't what we had planned. What in the world? Mary's scrolling through her friends' Instagram accounts. Her friends have, like, babies, and they're beautiful, and they're in a nice home, and she's like, I'm running away from someone who wants to murder my kid after I just had the baby in a horse trough. This is not according to her plan. Fast forwards decades later, Joseph had since passed away. Joseph's out of the picture. We don't know what happened to him, but now we see Mary as an older woman. Jesus is on the cross. Mary is now at the foot of the cross, looking at her son, stripped, beaten, unrecognizable as a man, the historians say at the time. Blood is pooling at the bottom of the cross. He's been mocked. He has a mock crown on him. He's bleeding. This is not what she had planned. And we look at Mary and we look at Jesus and go, Jesus was the son of God, yes. But he was also Mary's baby. And every parent understands no matter how big your kids get, they're still your baby. They'll always be your baby. And so here's Mary looking at her baby, remembering the promise she made three decades earlier when she said yes to God, no matter what, I'll do it. She was a young kid just saying, yes, I'll do it. And the Mary is magnificent and it's beautiful and we sing songs about it. But she said yes to Jesus, but she had no idea what she was saying yes to. She was saying yes to a whole lot of confusion and hurt and eventually seeing her son die on a cross. This is not what she had planned. This isn't fair. She's looking at, at Jesus going, what is, she? he didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. He doesn't deserve this. God, what are you doing? He eventually suffers. You hear him say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And then Mary watches Jesus die. What are you feeling in that moment? What are you feeling in that moment? And I, I guess I just want to tell you that when you feel like you had a plan and it got totally changed, you're in good company. Mary gets it. Joseph gets it. The Christmas story was birthed out of a bunch of pain and confusion. And God, what are you doing? This is not what I wanted it to be. This is not how I planned my life, but I trust you. In, in Luke chapter 2, you can read it where Mary says, confused and disturbed. Yet she said yes. Confused and disturbed. That's the Christmas story. God, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's my friends that are watching online. I know some of your stories. We've talked about this. And I told you to listen today because this is exactly what you're going through. Confused and disturbed, but God, I trust you. Mary and Joseph had a plan. God had a purpose. And here's what I want you to catch. The purpose 2,000 years ago, the purpose when, when 
God told Mary and Joseph that I have a purpose in all of this? The purpose was you. Like, do you get that? The purpose was you. We say it all the time, Jesus is the reason for the season, and it's true. But if you're to ask God the reason for the season, you you ask God why the incarnation, why Emmanuel had to happen. If you ask Jesus why the cross had to happen, it was you. It was you. God would say that he lived and died, and the reason for this season is you. His mind was on you, for God so loved the world. For God so loved you. Again, Matthew 121, she will have a son. Your name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So, if you have plans and they've been shifted, this isn't going to make it hurt less. It isn't going to make it make more sense. But again, the big idea, you don't have to understand the plan. When you trust God's purpose, when you trust God's purpose, The first step in trusting his purpose is to put your trust in him. To put your trust in him. There's a lot of times where I don't understand what God is doing, but I trust him. You know the times where our our kids were little and I would have them, you know, go on a roller coaster or jump into my arms or jump into the pool. That was a big one with the kids. Jump into the pool. And they're like, no, like arguing with me, yelling at me in in front of all their friends at the pool. It's like, jump, jump. They're like, no. What does every parent do? trust me? You trust me? I know it doesn't make sense. I know it's scary. Do you trust me? Do you trust my character? Do you trust that I would never want to hurt you? Do you trust that I want the, I know it doesn't make any sense right now. I know it hurts right now. I know this is not what you had wanted. This is not what you had planned. This is not what you drew up. This is not what you dreamed about. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? doesn't mean you don't have questions. It doesn't mean uh, that you don't have suspicion. It just means that in the gaps of information, there will always be gaps of information, that in the gaps of information between you and God, you fill those with trust and not suspicion. That's what trusting means. I don't get it, but I trust you. I don't get it, but I know you're good. I don't get it, but I know you're for me. I don't get it, but I know you get it. It doesn't make sense, but I know it makes sense to you. That's the Christmas story. It means when times don't make sense, you remember that God never promised that it would. Nowhere in Scripture do you find that, and God will answer all of your questions. The promise of Christmas is not that all of our doubts will be answered. The promise of Christmas is not that Uh, We'll have everything go our way. The promise of Christmas is Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. The promise of Christmas is that God will be with us, that he'd be through, uh, he'd go through the mess with us. Jesus would reiterate this at the end of the Gospels. He would say that I stick closer than a brother, for surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Psalm 23 ends the same way. And this is how we end today. He says that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in other words, when I go through the confusing times where I'm on the edge, when I think I'm not going to make it, what does he say? I will walk through. Why? Because I know that you are with me. 
It doesn't say, when I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you give me all the answers. I will fear no evil because it all goes according to plan. I'll fear no evil because no one will betray me and everything will go exactly what it, it says. I'll fear no who are with me. And whether you feel like it or not, God is with you. That is a story of Christmas, that God is with you when you feel like it and he's with you when you don't. And I'll truly end with this, but it, it tells a story about a guy named Joseph. And Joseph is a guy, you know, technical or dream quote, that whole thing, right? And there's a story of his brothers left him for dead and he was in the pit. Later he was uh, misjudged incorrectly even though he was trying to be integrous before God and he was thrown out of prison for years. He had an opportunity to be freed, but then he wasn't freed. The guy forgot him. All these horrendous situations happening to Joseph. And what happens in the middle of those dark moments, there's a phrase that happens over and over and over again. It says this, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And I think the reason why the writer wrote that in Genesis is because in the, in the age of Western Christianity where you think that if God is with you, you'll be blessed. If God is with you, you'll have all this stuff. Everything will go up and to the right. It says that God was with Joseph in the darkest moments because we would tend to think that those are the moments when God wasn't there. Obviously, God isn't with them. Look at his life. He's in the prison. He's being left for dead. He's sold into slavery as a boy. God isn't with him. And, and God's saying, no, 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 there's a bigger purpose. There's a bigger purpose. God was with Joseph. In the very moments when you feel like God is not with me, how could he be? Look at all this stuff going. God, where are you? Why aren't you defending me? Why aren't you supporting me? Why isn't this stuff going to plan? In those very moments, you need to hear this. God was with you. God is with you. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. The presence of God. So let me pray for you. And we're going to sing some Christmas carols together. But I realize Christmas for some of us is an extremely um, hopeful and joyous time. And for some of us, Christmas is the hardest season of the year. If you look at anxiety, suicide, depression rates, there are more suicide attempts between Thanksgiving and the Christmas season, New Year's, than there are the rest of the year combined. So if you are going through something challenging and you need prayer, you need someone to walk with you, that's what we're here for as a church. If you feel burdened when you come in, when you feel locked up, when you feel like just down when you come in, don't leave that way. Let us wrestle with this thing. Let's fight with you. Let's pray with you. If there's practical ways that we can support you, we're here for that too. We're a family, not a service. We're a family, not a production. We're a family. All right, so let me pray for us. And then after we sing these Christmas carols um, and you need some support, we're here for you. All right, God, we just thank you um, that you're with us in the great times and the confusing times and everything in between. Uh, when things don't go according to plan, we know that they're going according to your plan. So God, we just trust you. Would you help us to fill the gaps of, of information with trust and not suspicion? God, would you fill our hearts with peace, with joy, with hope? God, for my friends that have not put their trust in you, God, I pray that they would. 
that they would say yes to you despite questions or doubts or hurt or pain from church. God, I pray that they would put their trust in you. God, I pray they make a decision to follow you today. God, for me, that's what I want to. And so God, we celebrate you today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing.